0: Good morning, church. My name is Jamie, and I am your substitute preacher today. (laughs) So let's pray. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace. And will you help us to hear your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. Are we sure this isn't too loud? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, today is the seventh week of Easter. And next week is Pentecost. Okay. Oh, and we're doing something special for Pentecost. Um, We are going to have a a Holy Ghost extravaganza. We're going to um, open up the floor and invite people to share. Whatever God, whatever the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart to share. And if you're feeling adventurous, we will have some Bible texts up here to choose from if you want to like pick a mystery text and read it out loud to us and then see what the Holy Spirit says um and because that might be terrifying and awkward we're not going to live stream it um you know for the mercy of all of all of us who are introverts um so if you're watching this and you're confused uh, I think there might be a video up for you um but come and uh, participate if you can uh, so, that will be next week, Pentecost. But for now, we're still in Easter, okay? Now, um, did you guys notice what we prayed for in the collect today? Oh, Jimmy, can you put that back up for a second? Sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, we prayed to God. We acknowledge that God is the king of glory, right? And that he has exalted his son Jesus into his kingdom In heaven. And then at the end we ask God for that for ourselves too. And uh, we ask him to not leave us without comfort while we're here. uh, But to send us strength in the Holy Spirit. It's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. And we added our voices to it today. And this prayer, you know, it was made uh, years ago when they put this together. But, um, but it seems like it was written specifically for this week, right? Uh, we've had weeks and weeks of violence and division, right? From war in Ukraine to mass shootings, right? In Buffalo and in Texas. We've had violence in places uh, where violence should not exist. So it is good that we say to the King of Glory that you raised your Son, Jesus, to your heavenly kingdom. And please don't leave us here without comfort. And please give us strength through the Holy Spirit until you take us to be with Jesus too. Because this place is hard and we need you, God. Amen. Amen. It is a good prayer for this week. Um, So today's psalm from the lectionary is Psalm 97. So um, I'm going to read it, and let's see if it gives us any comfort, okay? Let's see if the Holy Spirit will give us strength in this. Now, Psalms 93 through 99, it's all a part of a group of psalms that point out God's kingship you know, over everything. And they encourage the listener or the reader to celebrate and rejoice and sing because God is in charge. So here's 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boasts in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He perseveres the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Amen. So, about two months ago, our... um, Read the Bible Together group, Uh, we were reading the book of Hebrews, and uh, we noticed how much of it was quoting psalms, just so many different psalms, and um, the author, you know, quotes a ton of them to make his theological points, and it was shocking to me uh, because I rarely ever use psalms that way. I can count on one hand how many times I've preached from a psalm. And, uh, and that's on me. Right? That's my failure of imagination. Well, is that and intimidation. Because how do you preach a poem? How do you preach a song? You know, it's like, it's kind of like when you tell a joke, and like some people enjoy it, but then there's like one person that doesn't get it, and you know, you, you explain it, and then you just kill the joke, Right? Um, And it's like I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen if I preach a psalm. Well, there's that, okay. And then there's the part where poems are intense. They say so much with so few words, and they get in our faces. You know, they force us to wrestle with them. And I love that. But I don't know how to do that from the pulpit. And the funny thing is, I confessed all of this to the Bible group, and they were very kind about it, you know, of course. But then the next Sunday, and I'm not even, I don't have to make this up, the next Sunday, Jim got up and preached a psalm like it was nothing. And I was like, okay, who told? <laughs> so let us see what uh, comfort and strength are here for us in this psalm, okay? Okay. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, and let the many islands be glad. Well, that was fast. Okay, I'm not going to lie, that was fast. Um, There's our comfort right there. The Lord reigns. And what are we supposed to do with that? You know, are we supposed to argue about it? Or panic? No, rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth And here the psalmist tells us that the earth rejoices. And in verse 6, the heavens proclaim his justice. So God's creation is worshiping its creator, its king. In verses 2 through 5, they describe God as this awesome storm. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Right, Fire goes before him, burns up his enemies. Who are his enemies? Are they named? No. Don't worry about his enemies, right? Besides, they're on fire. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. And the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. God is this awesome storm of cloud and fog and fire and lightning The earth trembles, mountains melt in fear. You know, it's one thing for the earth, the land, to tremble. But, you know, mountains are places of power. And not just symbolically, I mean, but that too, right? The high places were where people would go to worship their gods. But think of how mountains are made. I am not a scientist. But I'm pretty sure... That I learned that they are formed by these giant, like free-floating tectonic plates, right? Of Earth's, of Earth, Earth's crust, and they, they collide, and there's so much force that it pushes everything up. So mountains are formed with power, and here they melt like wax, because God is power, and He reigns. Whatever power is on earth, whatever impresses us, God melts it. And this God storm, it reminds me of Exodus 19 and 20, when God gives Moses instructions for the Israelites to consecrate themselves for three days. And they were to come up on the mountain and meet God. He wanted them to be a kingdom of priests. And after three days of intense preparation and witnessing God as an awesome storm, He's a cloud of fire and lightning on the top of Mount Sinai. The people trembled. And they asked Moses to go up the mountain without them. And they were afraid. And they reject God in their fear. And Moses tells them, like, don't be afraid. God is testing you. But the people, they tremble like the earth in this psalm verse 6 the heavens proclaim his righteousness his justice and all the people see his glory and in exodus we see that god's glory is too much for them they tremble they keep their distance in exodus 20:21 20, it says the people remained at a distance while moses approached the thick darkness where god was And the next thing that happens in verse 22, God tells Moses to tell the Israelites not to make gods of silver and gold. And that's what verse 7 of our psalm says. All worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. And the psalmist adds, worship him, all you gods. There are worthless idols and there are gods and there are worshipers. And this is still true today. And we might not think of them as idols and gods, right? We might think uh, that we are above that kind of thinking. You know, we're too smart to believe in gods or idols. And that just means that we are the idols, and that we worship ourselves. And it is the easiest thing to do. I know that I'm not sacrificing animals to Zeus, but I know that I put myself first most of the time. And I know I'm more interested in my own comfort and security than I am with anyone else's comfort and security. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know that this doesn't just happen in a vacuum. I know that we do this in groups too. Even as the church, do we, do we act like the church? Or do we just go to a church on Sundays for an hour and the rest of the time we act how we want I don't know about the church and the rest of the world, but the church in America is really confused right now. And it thinks it worships God, but really there's a whole list of images that it worships. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, Christian nationalism and politics and all of the other types of power that the church has been grasping for. Grasping for power. There's a lady in Georgia, and she's running for, I think, governor. And her campaign slogan is Jesus, guns, and babies. And when I first saw that, I thought it was a parody. You know, I thought it was like an onion article or some kind of daily show gag. But that's a real campaign slogan. Jesus, guns, babies. How is that real? This should be something you would see in a mockumentary movie or something. How is that real? I'm going to ask one question and I'll let it go. Is Jesus supposed to be flattered that he's first on that list? When I tell you if you put Jesus in your politics, You've made Jesus into your image. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. And the idols we make are worthless, but they are so dangerous. And look how bold this psalmist is. Then he adds, Worship him, all you gods. He commands these other beings to worship the Lord. Like, whatever the little g-gods are, right, whatever power and influence they have, this guy tells them to worship God. So if the Lord reigns, if that part is bringing the comfort, then this part, where the author tells the powers and principalities, the little g-gods, to bow down to the one supreme creator God, I think that This is some of that strength from the Holy Spirit that we asked for, right? Talk about speaking truth to power. Because I think about us, like what little power and influence we have, and it's so easy for us to worship ourselves. I wonder how much harder it would be for a God with more power and more influence than we'll ever understand. How much harder is it for them to not worship themselves and to bow down to God? Verse eight: Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. And Zion hears what now? Verse six: "The heavens proclaim God's justice, His righteousness. It's the foundation of his throne. And Zion is glad, and Judah rejoices because they know that God is a just judge. And they've also experienced his mercy firsthand. Verse 9, For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. It's, it's more comfort. If Zion and Judah hear and rejoice, do you suppose that we can too? Yeah. I mean, was Israel ever perfect? Did they have perfect faith? No, but God remained faithful to his people, didn't he? Even when they chose to keep their distance, he was faithful and merciful. So they rejoiced just like the earth. Right? They trembled like the earth, and now they rejoice like the earth. And I I can't help but like how the psalmist once again goes after the little g-gods. You are exalted far above all gods. It's like he's needling them about it, you know? Like, hey, if you didn't bow down to God, like I said before, it doesn't matter because he's still over you. It is so bold. Verse 10, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. And this should be an easy line to swallow, but I have to admit I don't know what to do with it, and I'm probably overthinking it, okay? Uh, That's that's true of a lot of things, but is hate, is it an action, right? You know how love is an action, right? Love is an action word. Is hate also an action? I I don't know. Because here's what I'm thinking, okay? I hate wasps. I hate them. But I don't do anything, you know, until they get too close, right? I don't go out and actively seek them so that I can take action against them. I mostly avoid them. It's the same with clowns. But the psalm doesn't say mostly avoid evil when you can. It says hate it. And I admit, I don't know what to do. Now, usually in the Bible, when it says to hate evil, it will immediately follow it up to say, love good, or it'll say, turn away from evil and do good, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So, maybe in hating evil, the action that we're supposed to be actioning is with good, So hate evil. Take a moment and hate evil. But if you find that you're spending lots of time and energy on hating evil, but not much time on loving God or doing good or holding fast to good, then I'd rethink it. Besides, are we the ones in the psalm that's going around and burning all of God's enemies for him? Uh, no. Vengeance is his gig. So, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 10 is the opposite of verse 3, where he burns his enemies with fire. Right? In 10, he saves. He saves the faithful. And from what? From the hand of the wicked. But we're supposed to hate evil. How did we get into its hand? I don't know. Probably every time that we stop loving God and stop doing good and start worshiping ourselves again. Yeah. And verse 11 is like that too, right? Instead of fire and lightning and earthquakes and melting mountains, 11 says, Light is sown for the righteous a joy for the upright in heart. Light and joy are sown like seeds for the righteous and just. God saves his faithful and then plants light and joy for them. And that should grow some pretty awesome fruit. The comfort of God saving us And the strength that comes with the promise of seeds of light and joy being sown on our behalf. What a psalm. What a praise we needed to hear today. And what a praise we need to add our voices to. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Amen. Now, do I think reading this psalm together is going to magically undo any of the violence from the previous week? No. Will it erase the injustice that we and others experience? No, that's that's not what songs do. That is not what this praise of God's kingship is for. But it's an invitation. It's an invitation for us to acknowledge that the Lord reigns. And whether we see it with our eyes or feel it in our hearts or not, the Lord reigns. He is the creator and king of glory. Yeah, we don't have to feel it for it to be true. Thank God. The Lord reigns and we are invited to celebrate that truth with everything and everyone else who is celebrating it, the heavens and the earth, and the faithful who God has saved from the wicked. We are invited to add our voices to that praise, and we are invited to let go of ourselves, our idols, and to let go of our storms, and to witness the glory of the God storm, a glory so powerful it melts mountains. And we're invited to be humble in God's presence. And whether we're brave like Moses and we walk into the thick darkness, or if we tremble in the presence and stay at a distance, we know that it's God who is the faithful one and the just one and the merciful one, the one who saves Reading this psalm, it won't change the violence that we made yesterday. But if we let it change us today, if we respond in humility and love to God, then the seeds of light and joy that he sows for us, that hope, that hope that all of us here in this hard place need, It will bloom. And that fruit will come. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. King of glory, you reign, and may your kingdom come. And we confess that we worship ourselves, we crave power, and we fall for worshiping power that is less than you. And forgive us for our foolishness. And forgive us for holding our worthless idols in your face. And may we drop them forever. And may we humble ourselves and accept your love and faithfulness. And Holy Spirit, will you soften our hearts so the seeds sown in us by God will bloom in us. And change us into his new creation. Will you make us carriers of hope? In Jesus' name, amen.